Hemorrhagic shock. Introduction. Shock refers to the inadequate perfusion of tissues due to the imbalance between oxygen demand of tissues and the body's ability to supply it. Classically, there are four categories of shock. Hypovolemic, cardiogenic, obstructive, and distributive shock. Hypovolemic shock occurs when there is decreased intravascular volume to the point of cardiovascular compromise. The hypovolemic shock could be due to severe dehydration through a variety of mechanisms or from blood loss. The pathophysiology diagnosis and treatment of hemorrhagic shock, a subset of hypovolemic shock, will be explored later in this ar article. Etiology. The most common thought of and setting of trauma, there are numerous causes of hemorrhagic shock that span many systems, blunt or penetrating trauma. The most common cause, followed by the, by upper and lower gastrointestinal sources, obstetrical, vascular, iatrogenic, and even urological sources have been all been described. Bleeding may either be external or internal. A substantial amount of blood loss to the point of hemodynamic compromise may occur in the chest, abdomen, or retroperitoneum. The thigh itself can hold up to one liter to two liters of blood. Localizing and controlling the source of bleeding is of utmost importance for the, to the treatment of hemorrhagic shock, but beyond the scope of this article. Epidemiology. Trauma remains a leading cause of death worldwide, with approximately half of these attributed to hemorrhage. In the United States in 2001, trauma was the third leading cause of death overall and the leading cause of death in those aged 1 to 44. While trauma spans all demographics, it disproportionately affects young, with 40% of injuries occurring between the ages of 20 and 39 years and, and by one country's account, the United States, of course. Of this, 40% of the greatest incidents was in the 20 to 24 range. The preponderance of hemorrhagic shock cases resulting from trauma is high. During one year, one trauma center reported 62.2 of the massive transfusions occur in the setting of trauma. The remaining cases are divided among cardiovascular surgery, critical care, cardiology, obstetrics, and general surgery, with trauma utilizing over 75% of the blood products. As patients age, physiological reserves decrease, the likelihood of anticoagulant use increases, and the number of comorbidities increases. Due to this, elderly patients are less likely to handle the physiological stresses of hemorrhagic shock and may decompensate more quickly. Pathophysiology. Hemorrhagic shock is due to the depletion of intravascular volume through blood loss to the point of being unable to match the tissues demand for oxygen. As a result, mitochondria are no longer able to sustain aerobic metabolism for the production of oxygen and switch to less efficient anaerobic metabolism to meet the cellular demand for adenosine triphosphate. In the latter process, pyruvate is produced and converted to lactic acid to regenerate a nicotinamide adenine adenonucleide to maintain some degree of cellular respirations in the absence of oxygen. The body compensates for volume loss by increasing heart rate and contractility, followed by baroreceptor acti activation resulting in sympathetic nervous system activation and peripheral vasoconstriction. Typically, there is a slight decrease or an increase in the diastolic blood pressure with narrowing of the blood pressure. As diastolic ventricular filling continues to decline and cardiac output decreases, systolic blood pressure drops. Due to sympathetic nervous system activation, blood is diverted from the non-critical organs and the tissues to preserve blood supply to vital organs such as the heart and the brain. 
while prolonging heart and brain function. This also leads to other tissues being further deprived of oxygen, causing more lactic and acid production and worsening acidosis. This worsening acidosis, along with hypoxemia, if left uncorrected, eventually causes the loss of peripheral vasoconstriction, worsening hemodynamic compromise, and death. The body's compensation varies by cardiopulmonary comorbidities, age, and vasoactive medications. Due to these factors, heart rate and blood pressure responses are extremely variable and therefore cannot be relied upon as the sole means of diagnosis. A key factor in the pathophysiology of hemorrhagic shock is the development of trauma-induced coagulopathy. Coagulopathy develops as a combination of several processes. The simultaneous loss of coagulation factors via hemorrhage, hemodilution, and resuscitation fluids and coagulation cas cascades dysfunction secondary to acidosis and hypothermia have been traditionally thought of to be the cause of the coagulopathy and trauma. However, this traditional model of trauma-induced coagulopathy may be too limited. Further studies have shown that the degree of coagulopathy begins in 25 to 56% of patients before initiation of resuscitation. This has led to the recognition of trauma-induced coagulopathy as the sum of two distinct process, processes, acute coagulopathy of trauma and resuscitation-induced coagulopathy. Trauma-induced coagulopathy is acutely worsened by the presence of acidosis and hypothermia. The acti activity of coagulation factors, fibrinogen de depletion, and platelet quality are all adversely affected by acidosis. Hypothermia, less than 34 degrees Celsius, compounds coagulopathy by impairing coagulation and is an independent risk factor for death in hemorrhagic shock. Recognizing the degree of blood loss via vital signs and mental status abnormalities is important. The American College of Surgeons Advanced Trauma Life Support uh, Hemorrhage Shock Classification links the amount of blood loss to expected physiological responses in a healthy 70-kilogram patient. As total circulating blood volume accounts for approximately 7% of total body weight, this equals approximately 5 liters in the average of a 70 kilogram male patient. Class 1 has a volume loss up to 15% of total blood volume, approximately 750 milliliters. Heart rate is minimally elevated to uh, or, or normal. Typically, there is no change in blood pressure, pulse pressure, or respiratory rate. Class 2. Volume loss from 15 to 30% of total blood volume, from 750 to 1500 milliliters. Heart rate and respiratory rate become elevated. Pulse pressure begins to narrow, but systolic blood pressure may be unchanged to slightly decreased. Class 3, volume loss from 30 to 40% of total blood volume, from 1500 to 2000 milliliters. A significant block in blood pressure and changes in the mental status occur. Heart rate and respiratory rate are significantly elevated and urine output declines, capillary refill is delayed. Class four, volume loss is over 40% of total blood volume. Hypotension with narrow pulse pressure, tachycardia becomes more pronounced, and, um, and urinary output is minimal or absent. Capillary refill is delayed. Again, the above out is outlined for a healthy 70 kilogram individual. Clinical factors must be taken into account when assessing patients. For example, elderly patients taking beta blockers can alter the patient's physiological response to decrease blood volume by inhibiting mechanisms from increasing heart rate. At another, patients with baseline hypertension may be functionally hypotensive with a systolic blood pressure of 110 millimeters of mercury. 
The first step in managing hemorrhagic shock is recognition. Ideally, this should occur before the development of hypotension. Close attention should be paid to physiological responses to low blood volume. Tachycardia, tachypnea, and narrowing pulse pressure may be the initial signs. Cool extremities and delayed capillary refill are signs of peripheral vasoconstriction. In the setting of trauma, an algorithmic approach via the primary and secondary surveys is suggested by the advanced trauma life support. Physical exams and radiological evidence can, provide, can help localize sources of bleeding. A trauma ultrasound or focused assessment and sonography for trauma, FAST, has been incorporated in many circumstances into initial surveys. The specificity of the FAST scan can, has been reported above 99%, but a negative ultrasound does not rule out intra-abdominal pathology. Treatment or management. With a broader understanding of the pathophysiology of hemorrhagic stroke, treatment and trauma has been expanded from a simple massive transfusion method to a more comprehensive management strategy of damage control resuscitation. The concept of damage control resuscitation focuses on permissive hypotension, hemostatic resuscitation, and hemorrhage control to adequately treat the lethal triad of co coagulation, acidosis, and hypothermia that occurs in trauma. Hypotensive resuscitation has been suggested for the hemorrhagic shock patient without head trauma. The aim is to achieve a systolic blood pressure of 90 millimeters of mercury in order to maintain tissue perfusion without inducing rebleeding from recently clotted vessels. Permissive hypotension is a means of restricting fluid administration until hemorrhage is controlled while accepting a short period of suboptimal end organ perfusion. Studies regarding permissive hypotension have yielded conflicting results and must take into account the type of injury penetrating versus blunt, the likelihood of intracranial injury, the severity of the injury, as well as proximity to a trauma center and definitive hemorrhage control. The quantity type of fluids to be used and endpoints of resuscitation remain topics of much study and debate. For crystalloid resuscitation, normal saline and lactated ringers are the most commonly used fluids. Normal saline has a drawback of causing a non-anion gap hyper, uh, hyperchloremic me metabolic acidosis due to high chlorine content, while lactated ringers can cause a metabolic alkalosis as lactate metabolism regenerates into bicarbonate. Recent trends in damage control resuscitation focus on hemostatic resuscitation, which pushes for the early use of blood products rather than an abundance of crystalloids in order to minimize the metabolic derangement, resuscitation-induced coagulopathy, and the hemodilution that occurs with the crystalloid resuscitation. The end goal of resuscitation and the ratios of blood products remain at the center of much study and debate. A recent study has shown that no significant difference in mortality at 24 hours or 30 days between ratios 1 to 1 to 1 or 1 to 1 to 2 of, of plasma to platelets to rack packed red blood cells. However, patients who received more balanced ratio of 1 to 1 to 1 were less likely to die due to exsanguination in 24 hours and were, and were more likely to achieve homeostasis. Additionally, reduction in time to first plasma transfusion has shown a significant reduction in mortality and damage control resuscitation. In addition to blood products, products that prevent the breakdown of fibrin and clots or antifibrinolytics have 
been studied for their utility in the treatment of hemorrhagic shock in trauma patients. Several antifibrinolytics have been used, have been shown to be safe and effective in elective surgery. The CRASH-2 study was randomized control of transemic acid versus placebo in trauma and has been shown to decrease overall mortality when given in the first eight hours of the injury. Follow-up analysis shows additional benefit to tranexemic acid when given in the first three hours after surgery. Damage control resuscitation is to occur in conjunction with the prompt intervention to control the source of bleeding. Strategies may differ depending upon proximity to definitive treatment. Differential diagnosis. While hemorrhage is the most common cause of shock in the trauma patient, other causes of shock are to remain on the differential. Obstructive shock can occur in the setting of tension pneumothorax and cardiac tamponade. These etiologies should be uncovered in the primary survey. In the setting of head or neck trauma, an inadequate sympathetic response or neurogenic shock is a type of distributive shock that is caused by a decrease in peripheral vascular resistance. This is suggested by an inappropriately low heart rate in the setting of hypotension. Cardiac contusion and infarctions can result in cardiogenic shock. Finally, other causes should be considered that are not related to trauma or blood loss. And the undifferentiated patient with shock, septic shock, and toxic causes are also on the differential. Pearls and other issues. Trauma is the most common cause of hemorrhagic shock, but causes, a, but, but causes can span multiple sim, systems. Tachycardia is typically the first abnormal vital sign in hemorrhagic shock. As the body attempts to preserve oxygen delivery to the brain and heart, blood is shunted away from the extremities and non-vital organs. This causes cold and mottled extremities with delayed capillary refill. This shunting ultimately leads to worsening acidosis. The lethal triad of acidosis is, uh, is of trauma is acidosis, hypothermia, and coagulopathy. Trauma-induced coagulopathy can occur in the absence of hemodilution of resuscitation. Damage control resuscitation is based on three pr principles, permissive hypotension, hemostatic resuscitation, and damage control surgery. Permissive hypotension targets a systolic blood pressure of 90 millimeters of mercury, accepting suboptimal perfusion to end organs for a limited time to achieve hemostasis.